Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art available in comics. We'll talk to creators, hear about their inspiration and creative process, and then we'll read their comic and discuss it together. We hope you'll join us on this journey into some incredible comics and find some new favorites along the way. Hello, everyone. You are now entering Indie Comics. That was my really lame Twilight Zone. I should have done a whole, yeah. Thank you. We should have done a coordinated thing, and I'm really missing that opportunity now. Um, I like that we do this like it's live, even though it's pre-recorded. <laughs> At least you know how authentic we are. My name is Maddie, your faithful host. And this is Jeff. And I'm Andrea. Yay, we're all back. And we have a very, very special guest today, um, author of an incredible, incredible book um, all about Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone. Um, it's called The Twilight Man. And Corinne, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Corinne Shadmi here. Uh, I'm an illustrator and writer and comic book artist. And I'm um, here to talk about Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone. How did you decide to take on that? I mean, this is all you. This is your show. What um, what made you decide to to do this book? Uh, well, I was exposed to the show later in life. Um, I'm originally from Israel. We never had the original Twilight Zone there. Um, and I just saw it. You know, I was aware of it through pop culture references, but I never really saw the original show till... Um, I would say uh, six six or so years ago, um, it became available on Netflix, and I just watched the whole thing, and uh, I couldn't believe how great it is. And I was very curious about this man that was at the beginning and end of every uh, episode, and so I started reading about him, and and I thought there was like potential there for for a story, like perhaps like a graphic novel, and you know that kind of I bought some biographies and they sat on my shelves for many years and finally when the time came for a new project i just took them down and started started reading so that's awesome what got you into comics in the first place i have been making comics for a really long time um when i was i would say like 10 or so i was um taking my mom sent me to a comics class in israel um and I didn't really know that much about comics. Um, I didn't know much about superhero comics or anything. Uh, and, uh, and it was just kind of the beginning of, of a lifelong thing. Um, and uh, I ended up, you know, being the assistant of the teacher. Um, you know, I was like his colorist for many years. And, and uh, he kind of introduced me to a lot of um, American comics and, and, um, and um yeah i just remember the other that we're watching the the watchmen show now and and uh, i just told my my wife that he gave me when i was 17 he gave me watchmen as like a birthday gift and he was like this is one of the greatest um you know comics and you should read it so um so yeah that was my introduction introduction to comics and uh i've been doing it uh ever since that's awesome. That's a, a strong place to start with Watchmen. Um, yeah. And I can see that, you know, your your work seems on that, like, deeper 
level too is there you know is there something that really draws you to this medium then in storytelling um i mean i think there's just a lot of potential in comics naturally um you know it's an amazing medium it's very intimate and it's very uh you know it, it works in a way that's similar to film but there are things that you can do in in um in comics that you can't do in film for instance you can do things that if you want to stay longer in a frame and look at all the details or you want to go back and forth yeah in the in the book you can't really do that if you're sitting i mean now you can do it in <laughs> like you know with a fast forward etc but you can kind of spend your chosen amount of time in 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 each frame so mm -hmm. that's that's kind of interesting and you know it's it's just it's a great medium and the other thing is that it's cheap to make like i don't need any <laughs> you know, million dollars budget to make this book. Uh, all it takes is, is a lot of time, you know, and, and, uh, an effort. And now it doesn't even take ink or watercolors. Yeah. It's, it's mostly digital. So. That's really cool. Um, this is Andrea. Um, I just want No, Twilight Zone. And, we uh, now know that Andrea has a really crush bad. on Rod Serling. I do. And so, um, but it was just, it was just so wonderful to like see his history, like in the military, especially because my husband is a veteran and, you know, seeing like what it took for him to get to Hollywood. And I like loved all the pieces of the comic. But for me, I guess my question would be, you know, like, what is your favorite part about this comic or what do you love most about this book like what was your one thing that you were like this of all this the, this whole beautiful artistic piece this is what i love well thank you for all the kind words um yeah i think I, I wouldn't i don't know if it's a favorite i think the part that i feel um um kind of um what's the word just more uh happy about or just more uh proud of is the part that really shows the birth of the twilight zone itself where he i think it's like 12 or so pages where he wrote this this show and tried to pitch it and they just didn't know cbs just didn't know what to do with it and they they put it in some you know old folder and it sat there for years until some producer was basically rod give me whatever you have because he was so he's such a hot commodity that um you know, he did, he didn't really have the time. A lot of times, when people approached him to write something, he wouldn't have the time to do it. So he was like, "Well, I have this thing, this sci-fi thing that's sitting in 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 CBS, and um, et cetera." But basically, you know, you read the book, you find out the rest. But um, it's kind of a complicated uh, um, chain of events that leads to the Twilight Zone being created, and and I. Th think that I, I did a pretty good job um, kind of condensing it and showing it in a way that's hopefully interesting. And because, um, you know, it, it, it is a lot of people on phones shouting at each other and producers <laughs> mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And it's not the most interesting thing visually. Um, so that was a challenge. But um, I think you I met it. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like yeah. you really 
captured that era of this kind of, you know, especially after the war, kind of everyone trying to get back and this like sort of like happy-go-lucky mood, you know, MGM musicals, things like that. And for Rod Sterling to come out, Rod Sterling, sorry, to come out and to have something that's a little bit heavier, but it was, it's so beautiful. And I definitely appreciate like how you got all of the aspects of his life from him being like a commercial writer for um, commercials, like radio commercials, and then you know, to becoming someone who's so big in sci-fi who, like, you know, I love Jules Verne's and all that, but when I think of sci-fi, I always go to the Twilight Zone. When it's such a great, like, biopic, you know, it feels like a film. It feels like, you know, an episode of something where you're going through this whole journey with him and in every phase of his life. And to your point, too, I, I didn't know that much about him. And I think you did such a beautiful job of telling that story and of doing it in an engaging way where you can, you can hear his voice kind of narrating it. Mm-hmm. And it has this kind of old world Hollywood vibe to it. And, and the language that you used, um, for me, really stood out in the way that, you know, things were described. And, you know, you have the glitz and the glamour of Hollywood, with also the struggle and, you know, him staying up nights and recording, you know, all of these scripts because he couldn't put it out, you know, put out enough content and his, you know, affairs and his wife yes. and, and all of these things that were both beautiful and, and really ugly. Yeah. Um, and I think you told that story so, so well. Yeah. And I, and I before you <laughs> talk, sorry, I just had another compliment. <laughs> I just really appreciate like how like it's a multifaceted character. It's a very dynamic character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just you know, like, all the glitz and glamour, it is the dark, heavy side of him being, you know, in the Playboy Mansion, and him, like, having, you know, health issues, you know, because he was in this lifestyle, and it's, and it really shows that he's an icon, but he's also human, and is that I what, really appreciated yeah. that. Is that what drew you yeah, to Yeah, I think in that, I think part of um, that era, you know, mid-century, a lot of it is, um, you know, people were just not aware of, um, you know, what, what it means to have a healthy lifestyle and also there was no you know awareness of you know how bad liquor and cigarettes cigarettes were uh and you know you had back then in the 40s and the 50s you had doctors endorsing cigarettes you had these ads where doctors were saying well i recommend camel but um (laughs) you know you see it a lot in Mad Men. you see them kind of always smoking always smoking and really that's the way it was and and it was kind of had to do with his anxiety and perhaps with his army, um, you know, years. And yeah. and uh, yeah, he just kind of like ran himself to the ground with that. Um, and I tried to have him. He's basically in the book. If you look, I haven't counted the cigarettes, but <laughs> he's in most frames. He's holding a cigarette, um, maybe not in his army years. But uh, um, so, yeah, that's that's definitely. Um, and then when you look at the Twilight Zone openers, like, you know, on film, he's yeah. almost always holding a cigarette in the in the opening of the Twilight Zone. And it's also part of like, you know, his his kind of voice was this kind of slightly like uh, I don't know what to call raspy, but um, smoky voice. You know, maybe that's the one benefit that you could say, <laughs> well, you know, cigarettes did help him sound more, um, you know, mysterious or. <laughs> whatnot but supposedly he was very different in person i mean i try to show that too he wasn't this little super dark you know guy he loved to joke around um he was you know this very charming um very very uh amicable person that was like very easy to work with um and and uh everybody you know most people that 
talked about him that knew him were just mostly said very good things because he was, you know, I did show the dark side, but he, his his personality was very contradictory. You know, he was like this really like charming, you know, successful writer, but he was also, you know, he had this, this, a lot of demons. He had a lot of, um, you know, he was very insecure and always thought that he wasn't, you know, respected enough. He wasn't doing something that was artistically, um, you know, his, you know, his artistic integrity was always kind of uh, iffy and, you know, so, so there was a lot of that in the book. Um, but yeah, he's de definitely a very interesting, conflicted character. Um, and the Twilight Zone, he never really got to see it become such a cult hit. You know, he always thought it was just this kind of, um, you know, I, I, I think he knew that it was, he put his very best in it and it was a very good show. But I also think that he, you know, a lot of his peers were these TV writers that became film directors or 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 actual you know literature you know authors like Gord Vidal and uh, I think he was kind of frustrated that he wasn't able to to leave that world of television because he was always trying to write film scripts and nothing really like um other than Planet of the Apes nothing really like turned to be very uh respected or and even Planet of the Apes I think at the time wasn't that you know respected um and so yeah he was he was always you know he felt like you know i'm doing this thing but it's just to make the money and then and then i will i hope to write a book and i hope to write a play he was always you know he was trying to write a play he was trying to write books and you know that stuff never really came to fruition so but he really wasn't aware that he was making this super iconic show that will live past all this other stuff that was being created um back in the era i mean if you look at other shows like i don't know the Be beverly hillbillies and stuff like that i mean people know what it is but it doesn't have that kind of cult following because it's just not as um it's not as good how you doing um this is jeff here and let me go ahead and <laughs> see when i was reading this stuff because of rod sterling i was looking at it from the historical aspect because that's where my education comes from i'm an historian so i'm looking at this so the first thing i want to know is since you were giving us a lot of the commentary of what was going on here um what sources comprised the bulk of your research when you were compiling twilight man what 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 made up uh, a lot of the research material? You kind of alluded to it well, with the bibliog with, with the biographies, but I'd, I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, I mean there were um, there's two main biographies out there um, that were from the 80s. I read both of those. Um, there's also a much more recent biography that his daughter wrote um, that only came out a few years ago. Um, so those were very, very helpful. There's also this fantastic movie about him. Um, American, American masters did, um, documentary about him, I think like almost 20 years ago. Uh, and it's, it's really excellent. Um, so that was also very good because uh, there's a lot of interviews with people who knew him. Um, and, uh, and then just watching a lot, you know, watching a lot of his, um, lesser known works like his teleplays um, and um, you know watching uh, some some uh, some other TV shows that he created and also you know just reading reading interviews with him listening there's 
there's a lot for someone who didn't live that long. There's like a lot, a lot of um, recorded material of him. Um, he would, you know, do these late in life. He would do these speeches in, in colleges. And I was able to find some of those and listen to them. Um, so a lot of that stuff, you know, didn't make it into the book, but it helped me, I think, get a better sense of, of who he was. That's actually pretty good. Now, that kind of leads me into my next question that I had for you here. Now, also, on top of the historian aspect of it, I also tend to look at things from a very deconstructionist and very critical standpoint, too. So what I want to ask you right now, sir, when you look at the information behind Twilight Man and how you went about it, could you classify this as a postmodernist piece? Because definitely, we all have had our ideas about who Rod Serling was. But the impression that I got from your book is that what you think you meant what you think you may know may not exactly be what it exactly is. Is that kind of what you were going for in this book right here? Yeah, no one knows, you know, I'm not him. I never, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't even born, uh, you know, he died 10 years or more, he he died like, uh, six years before I was born. So, uh, no, I, I don't, I don't know who he was. There's very different accounts. If you read the biographies, it's kind of very interesting because, they paint very different pictures. There's one that's very, very dark and, you know, goes very into detail um, about his, uh, I would say his like less, uh, less glamorous aspects of his, his personality and whatever he did. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was too, you know, went too much into that, you know, direction. And, and then there's, you know, there's his daughter's biography that it's really good, but also kind of maybe doesn't go at all into anything negative about him. So, so I really tried to balance it. Um, I, I think that I got a sense from reading all the, the material that I, I would have liked him if I met him. Uh, but mm -hmm. again, yeah, I don't, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. It's not, you know, anything, even, even, if you do read history books, like it can never be like a hundred percent true. Sure. And, um, you know, um, or a hundred percent, the longer like you go back in yeah. time, the longer you go back in time, the weirder things get. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I know those like Greek, you know, historians that a lot of the stuff they write about is just like, well, you know, um, Augustus had an Island with, you know, little boys that were dressed up as, uh, as like pan and they walked right. around and I don't know, you don't know if this is, this is, sounds so wacky and crazy and, and, and you don't know if it's just kind of made up to like slander them or whatever, but yeah, it's, 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 it's very, it's a tricky, tricky world. The, and I think you did how truthful. Yeah. You did such a great job with that, with kind of showing the bad with the good, right? Like he was a human being and it, it came off yeah. very much as a full story, right? There were genius moments and moments where he took great care of his family and, and wrote these really incredible pieces that made people look inwardly and, and think about these these really important concepts. And, and also just what he did for the television and film industry and talking about, well, you know, which is something that is also really clear in like Star Trek and some other um, pieces of that time of, well, if we do it in space, we can talk about anything, you know, if they're aliens instead of, you know, a certain race, then we can talk about this issue. And he, and he did so many great stories with that. And I, what did it mean for you to create this, this story about him? You know, what do you want readers to take away from it? Um, I think 
you know, in one sense, it's the classic uh, rise and fall of a Hollywood uh, creator. Um, but it's also, I think that a lot of people love, love the show and have not taken the time to, to find out who this person was. And, and then uh, I think, you know, it's a great introductory to his life. And, and, um, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, he was very important to the, the kind of, uh, first incarnation of television and i think that a lot of the things we see now a lot of the tv shows we watch now and kind of take take for granted like the golden it was called back then the golden age of television but you could say now that since the sopranos were entering like the second golden age of television and those people owe a lot to rod serling um you know matthew weiner is like a very big rod serling fan so they grew up watching those shows and, you know, I think Rod Serling kind of knew the potential that television doesn't need to be like this, like, you know, wacky, like, you know, game shows and, 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 and cheap, like, you know, uh, cowboys or whatever was popular at the time. It can be almost like film, you know, it can, it can talk about these heavy subjects. And uh, he was really groundbreaking in that part. So I think, it's it's it would be great if people read this and and learn more about him and um and would give you a bit better picture of why the twilight zone is what it is yeah that's really that's really well said i do like see that how television nowadays it's just evolving in such a beautiful way you know we do have our favorite shows like the good place who it's it's very <laughs> like sitcommy but there's also levels of death and like there's a lot of creators that they do get inspiration from Rod Serling. And I guess my question for you is like, who inspired you? Like what influences you, you know, when you write and who influences you, you know, in your artistic realm? Um, I mean, uh, I like, uh, you know, movies and, and uh, there's a lot of filmmakers. I guess I go through phases and in my twenties <laughs> I was more into like the more, um artistic stuff like the french new wave and and things like that and and now i'm more you know finding myself finding watching you know stuff that you might say is trashy uh like we were just watching con air last week so you know we're but but you know you could this is definitely um you know there's something very mid-century about uh rod serling's work and um I used to really watch, I used to watch a lot of Ingmar Bergman uh, films. And I think there's a lot in common between, you know, uh, the two of them. And, and um, so, so I think that kind of uh, stark um, mid-century mentality and anxiety that maybe has to do with, with uh, the cold war or, you know, what, where, where is, where are things going after world war two, which was like this super traumatic. Yeah. Um, thing for humanity um, I think I kind of gravitate towards those works and um, maybe that's why I kind of gravitated towards this mid-century story um, uh, about Rod Serling well and the art in this book is so fantastic too I I mean kudos to you for not only phenomenal writing but this gorgeous I mean you really captured him I love the way that you aged him 
Um, it felt very natural and very real. And there's the black and white is so cool too, especially because it evokes that period and that time. And, and I really feel like you captured it and um, phenomenal phenomenal work and the way you wrote that ending it was it was literally like an episode of the twilight zone and i just i remember i was like reading it and i just like audibly gasped i was was not expecting it i I felt like i went into it just thinking oh cut and dry like this is a story and then that little surprise at the end was so lovely and i think it it was so true to uh, it's what a story about rod serling should be right yeah (laughs) Yeah, some people say that they're disappointed that there was no gremlin on the, the <laughs> oh, wing right no. now. <laughs> yeah. William Shatner is the gremlin. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, I know you've done Rod certainly here, but another one of your books that you have done is also Rise of the Dungeon Master that I have read, and I'm curious, are there any other figures in the past that you would wish to do in graphic novel format or even like as a narrative in the future? Uh, there's always a list, but I'm not going to like, uh, list it out here. Cause I don't want anyone to grab those <laughs> Fair you know, and be like, well, you know, I missed out on doing that. You know, I don't know. Some guy loves biography or some woman's uh, who I admires biography. So, um, yeah, there's some ideas. Um, you know, I'm not sure yet. What's the next, who's the next person, but, um, yeah, I have some ideas, and and uh, it was a lot of fun doing a nonfiction uh, biography. You know, you're kind of like an archaeologist. You dig in all this mm-hmm. material yep. and trying to figure out, well, who's saying, who's, what's the true story here? Because there's always a lot of, with these famous people, there's always a lot of different stories out there. And no, it's really fun. So we'll see. Maybe there will be another one. Awesome. That's wonderful. Um, so this is a question that we ask all of our guests. <laughs> um, it's been kind of a tradition for us. Uh, obviously, you have gotten a million great reviews on this comic and probably all of them because you're fantastic. Um, but we like to ask our guests, what was the worst review that you have ever gotten? <laughs> and this can be for anything. It doesn't have to just be for this. It can be funny. It can be painful. Um, what's your experience mm. with that? Um. I don't know if there was like, I've never had a bad review. No, uh, I don't. Yeah, no, uh, I don't know. Like there's definitely been one been ones that were like pretty bad, but I actually, there was a recent one in, uh, for my other book, Highwayman that was Mm. reviewed in Israel, which is very rare. Like that anything was reviewed in, in like, you know, one of the major newspapers there, which is weird. It's never came out in Hebrew even. But I think they reviewed it because they know that I'm Israeli. But it was very, you know, that book got, you know, all the press it got was these really good reviews. And um, they kind of wrote this very odd review where they were like kind of praising my artwork and kind of saying my writing wasn't up to par. Uh, but they also said all this weird stuff like that. I obviously am writing in Hebrew and translating to what? English, which is not true. What? And, uh, you know, so that was, you know, and then I sent it to my friend and he's like, oh, it's just a provincial review. You know, <laughs> they're just angry that they, oh. they're they still in Israel and they're not, you know, whatever. So, I mean, yeah, you just can't. Some people don't read them. You know, I I do sometimes read them and, and uh um, I think it's, I think it's, it's important to just have your, you know, get, get the other side and see what, what you, th- you know, people think that, um, maybe is not working. Um, but you can't just listen to that stuff because at the end, if you listen to all your 
detractors, you're just not going to be making anything. So um, you just got to, you know, put yourself out there and, and make the work and there's going to be flaws and, and not everybody's going to like it. And just that's the way it is. Um, which that is kind of why we ask it too, right? Is it's, you know, it's always a growing experience and learning. You're never going to get a hundred percent positive reviews all the time, but how do you deal with those detractors and how do you say, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, like you keep creating. And I think that's awesome. Something that I thought was really interesting too, just in this story, um, you captured also, you know, his Jewish identity too, which I thought was really wonderful. And it was, you know, it wasn't, a massive part of the story but it was part of his life and part of his experience and you know there's one part where he's walking with a neighbor and one of the neighbors you know kind of looks at them funny and he says well you know you're walking with a Jew and I, I thought that that was just such a a lovely part of the story and, and who he was and I think that was so important and, and how much do you think about diversity when you're going into this and, and to be authentic to that part of his life yeah I mean uh he converted very early to unitarian uh, unitarianism yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry it's a hard one. got my tongue tied but um uh he you know if you look at his work there's something like extremely extremely mm -hmm. jewish about it this kind of anxiety this fear of of um you know this kind of general fear in this world of anything and anything could happen. That's a Jewish thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at the, they say uh, that the, the the Jewish, you know, the, the God that's in the Old Testament and the God that is in the New Testament have nothing in common because, you know, the Christian God is very forgiving and he's always like, well, you know, you know, I'll forgive you. You can like, you know, whatever, uh, make penance. And the Jewish guy is just always angry and always punishing, and you're all <laughs> everybody's always terrified of that guy. So, um, so I think that shows, um, and and yeah, that there's this kind of I don't know how how aware he was of it, but there is something very very um, Jewish about his his narrative and his stories. You know, I really like liked how when he was you know going into the service he did want to go fight Hitler and fight, you know, the Nazis yeah. in Germany. And they're like, nah, you're going to Japan, you know? And like, and I always felt like, oh, that's like his, like, it's like the Jewish in him. There's really culture in him that kind of like propelled him in that way. Um, and I just, you know, and I just really loved how like you really encapsulate, like, in like captured the, the whole war history yeah. and it's so gritty but, like, you also showed how, you know, they would get along and how they would work together. And, you know, I just really appreciate that. And, you know, I really appreciate your art. It went and so much into his storytelling, I think, those war yeah. experiences and the existentialism that you get from from mm -hmm. an experience yeah. like that. And I was, like, you know, and, and I don't usually see a lot of that kind of imagery in a lot of, like, mainstream comics. Most of the time, at least not the ones that I read. You know, but just seeing, like this crate fall on this guy and like decapitate his head. Like I don't usually see that in certain comics. Like, you know, it's not but I feel like Superman yeah. comic. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like definitely with independent comics, you can definitely have more free reign. And, you know, like what do you love most about working in independent comics? Uh, yeah, it's just, there's less rules or preconceived notions of what you should or shouldn't do um and especially if you're working in one of those big franchises you're working with a lot of history and a lot of baggage and you have to like be aware of 
you know, that's why they keep resetting the timeline right. and starting yes, new timelines. Yes. And it, the whole thing, um, you know, I, I haven't read those since I was a teenager. And I think that, you know, I just, uh, uh, so it's, it's nice to be able to do anything basically. Yeah. Uh, but the, the unfortunate thing is that you still see people that are very like hermetically sealed in their own bubble of like, superhero comics and then yeah. the most they they're gonna venture away from it is maybe like the walking dead or a saga or something yeah. that's like still very very mainstream and that's it they don't go past that um and they've been reading comics all their lives and 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 then that's that's when i talk to people like that I'm, I'm always a little frustrated because it's like there is so much great stuff out there um you know give it a try you might like it when it's the same sort of conflict that Rod had with the networks, right? You know, where you have, you know, the big two and the larger the publishing house gets, probably, you know, depending, they have their own, you know, kind of off the wall comics too. Um, so not to say this is always true, but, you know, you're looking at ads, you're looking at sales, you're looking at all these things that cut down on creative control a little bit, you know, just the way that right. um, I'm a big Trekkie, so I'm really familiar with everything Star Trek went through too um, with the networks to try to get things on on the air that they cared about, um, that Dean Roddenberry cared about. And, you know, Rod, Rod was very similar, you know, he had to deal with that. And I think you tell that story so beautifully about, you know, what is that fight for you know autonomy and for creative license versus something that they will get on the air and something that people will like and i think that that's the beautiful thing about independent comics is it's very much creator owned and creative creator driven and here you are doing the art and the writing for an incredible book and how does that feel for you then to be kind of blazing your own trail uh, blazing my own trail is uh is very dramatic <laughs> uh, and then uh uh, in comics it's more like uh plowing through a muddy field but uh <laughs> no it's it's uh gotta celebrate it's sometimes. good it's great i mean it's it's i i change uh genres a lot i like to switch it up and do different things and and um and i love that i have that freedom and and uh people like you know publishers are letting me just switch switch around and one time do a biographical comic another time do a science fiction comic and then this time do um a non-fiction biography so so that's that's another great part and um yeah it's 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 i've been very uh happy with with you know the way things are you know it seems like graphic novels are blossoming right now and doing really yeah. well and so that's that's really great to see, and um, and I hope it keeps going that way. We do too. Um, what can we expect from you in the near future? There is uh, a book coming out uh, in a few months with uh, a bold type books. Uh, that's a collaboration with uh, David Kushner, who also mm. uh, worked with me on Rise of the Dungeon Master. He was the writer, and we have a new book coming out about Anonymous, the hacker. Uh, collective so oh, that uh, that's, awesome. that's coming up when uh, when is it set to come out um i believe the end of march yeah oh near my birthday <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> to you um and where can we get uh the twilight man it's available kind of everywhere right yeah it should be available hopefully in your uh comic book shop you can get it on the humanoids website or um Barnes and Noble, Amazon, it should be around everywhere. Absolutely. 
everywhere. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, this book is phenomenal. I highly encourage everybody to go and grab it. Um, it tells a really incredible story about a really incredible man. Um, and you are an incredible author, writer, artist, human. Thank you so much. You're very kind. (laughs) Humanoid. Um, uh, This is a great story. I really encourage everybody to go and take a look. It is available everywhere, so you have no excuse. Um, Thank you for listening. You can check out our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. You can also check out our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for articles, videos, and more. Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know what you thought of The Twilight Man. If you've read it already let us know if you're gonna go get it um check it out Uh, you can stay updated on our facebook twitter instagram and we stream on twitch the intro is provided by cranston and you can buy the twilight man at all over the place go to your local comic book shop um go to humanoids.com go to amazon go to your bookstore just go get it uh check it out and come and join the gathering have a great week and g g g